Hey, Joel. What up? Would you say that companies find it hard to attract the right candidates to apply for their jobs? Well, jobs to careers thought so. <laughs> jobs to careers? You mean Talru? Talru? Yeah, Talru. T A L R O O. What is that? Like a cross between talent and a kangaroo? <laughs> no, it's the cross between talent and recruiting. But Talru is focused on predicting, optimizing, and delivering talent directly to your email or ATS. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's totally data-driven talent attraction, which means the Talru platform enables recruiters to reach the right talent at the right time and at the right price. Okay. So that was weirdly intuitive. But yes. Guess what the best part is? <laughs> let me uh, let me take a shot here. You only pay for the candidates Talru delivers. Holy shit. Okay, so you've heard this before. So if you're out there listening in podcast land and you are attracting the wrong candidates, and we know you are, mm-hmm. or you feel like you're in a recruiting hamster wheel and there's just nowhere to go, right? You can go to talru.com slash attract. Again, that's talru.com slash attract and learn how Talru can get you better candidates for less cash. Or just go to chadcheese.com and click on the Talru logo. I'm all about the simple. You are a simple man. Lost my precious. Lost my precious candidates. My wants are so sweet precious. Lost. Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese podcast is taking it to a whole other level. All right. Time for another Firing Squad. I'm ready, Chad. How about you? I'm excited. On... On today's show, we have Patrick Hillstrom, co-founder and CEO of HireVisor, which, by the way, if you don't have a tchotchke visor that you're passing out to people, I think you're really missing really missing a prime opportunity. Patrick, welcome to Firing Squad. Give us the 15-second uh, intro on, on you. Well, thanks, Joel and Chad. Uh, quick intro on me. My name is Patrick Hillstrom. As, as you folks mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of HireVisor. I'm, I'm based in San Francisco and uh, ex-LinkedIn uh, alum and very excited to be here. Excellent. Chad, tell him what he's won. You've won the opportunity to stand in front of the firing squad. That's what you're getting. This is where we're going to go ahead and set the format out for you. You're going to have two minutes to pitch us on HireVisor. At the end of two minutes, you'll hear the bell. Then Joel and I will uh, hit you with some rapid fire Q&A. Uh, if your answers aren't concise, Joel's going to hit you with either the bell or crickets. That means you need to move your ass on. Tighten up your game. Be concise. Uh, and then at the end of Q&A, Joel and I will give you our honest feedback with regard to your pitch, answering of your questions, and you're going to get graded in one of three ways. You will either receive big applause. That means you've kicked ass and you've taken names. A golf clap, which is my favorite because it's so pathetic, but that just means you're not ready for prime time. Uh, and then uh, the firing squad. Yikes. You should probably pack your shit up, go home, and rethink this whole thing. So uh, that's Firing Squad. So it's time to buckle up in pitch. Joel, it's all you. Are you ready, Patrick? I am ready. All right. At the bell, you have two minutes. When you hear the bell again, you are done. 
go. Alrighty. So in a sentence, HireVisor is a peer-to-peer talent exchange. Now, what that means in practice is our platform provides a way for companies to invite their second place candidates to leverage all the efforts that they put into an application process toward finding roles at our other partner companies on the HireVisor talent exchange. Um, so there's really two pieces to the platform. On the one hand, we're a candidate experience, candidate engagement talent branding tool uh, that frankly will will interact with uh, most of the candidates who go through your application pipeline and you know make sure these folks you know the, the vast majority of folks have a way to uh, you know still feel like they had a great experience with their company and on the other side of our platform we're actually a sourcing tool so all of these candidates who accept their invite to join uh, the higher advisor platform they're now searchable uh, on the higher advisor talent exchange and the main value here is these candidates who join uh, again they can leverage their efforts um, in the process toward finding roles at other companies and uh, hopefully be able to find um, find roles at other companies without, um, excuse me, without uh, having to fill out another application, without having to um, you know, do more work than they've already put into the process. And this really comes from a personal place for me because you know, as a candidate, I've been second place more times than I can count. And we really wanted to build a platform where as a candidate, you're able to, um, you know, interviewing has been this historically a parallel yet siloed process. And for the first time in our platform, uh, now all of this work um, can help you land roles at other companies. So two pieces of the platform, it's a candidate experience, candidate engagement piece, and also a sourcing tool that helps companies find better talent faster and builds an overall better candidate experience. In 15 seconds, where would someone find more about you? Hiravisor.com. Uh, you can sign up uh, today or you can request a demo and happy to share more um, and, and share more about it. <laughs> All right, that's your first piece of critique. Make sure in every pitch you tell people where can you find out more. Got it. Chad, he's all yours. Yes. So three-part question. First and foremost, are you familiar with Alliance Q? Alliance Q. No, I'm not. Okay. Are you familiar with JobFox? Heard of them, but not terribly familiar with them. Okay. So when it comes down to the actual pitch that you're trying to make, how are you different when it comes to going after active job seekers than all the other products and platforms that are out there? So the main difference that uh, about our platform is that we're directly integrated with your applicant tracking system. So we're as much a sourcing and candidate engagement play as we are a systems integration play. So it takes 10 minutes, you get up and running and integrated with your applicant tracking system and candidates are automatically invited to our platform. So the value of this being that we know for sure, hey, this candidate interviewed for this role and we have the, the date and timestamp of when that happens. So, you know, while there are plenty of platforms out there to your point that say, hey, we've got the best active job seekers, you know, we know for sure in a data-driven way that these folks are, are ready to go. So this is a platform that is focused heavily on the active job seeker side in an environment and or landscape market that is very tight. So therefore, active job seekers are, are very low. Why are you focusing on active job seekers when, to be quite frank, most companies are trying to re-engage with those passive job seekers. It's a great question. And the way we see it is almost as a philosophical difference about the future of the talent ecosystem. You know, there's plenty of companies out there like Beamery and, um, you know, both Lever and Greenhouse have offered this, these sort of talent relationship uh, management 
uh, excuse me, yeah, talent marketing tools that help you, to your point, re-engage with candidates who've been, uh, you know, rejected and are, you know, may or may not be interested in the company later on. We see that as fundamentally inefficient. What we're offering is, you know, a true talent exchange that almost, in a way, is just-in-time recruiting, where it's more efficient if you have this person who, you know, was just rejected from a role, and you know, they could they could be a great fit at another company who's looking for someone like them right now. Why not make that connection versus introducing this? you know, additional, what we see as inef- additional inefficiency in the process. But to your point, it is, we see it as almost a difference in worldview. Patrick, I'm always interested in sort of the genesis of an idea. Um, you mentioned your LinkedIn past. Um, I'm interested in, what did you do for them? Was the idea of this company born out of LinkedIn? Like, tell us about, you know, the, the lightning bolt that hit you that, that made you come up with HireVisor. Sure. So I was at LinkedIn for two and a half years and I worked on the business operations team um, and, and worked very closely with uh, the product teams as well, specifically on content products uh, like SlideShare, Pulse, the publishing platform groups. And then also when um, LinkedIn acquired lynda.com, I helped lead the BizOps effort uh, for that integration. So a lot of what I was doing was working with product teams and understanding how different users were using LinkedIn products and services and how that was incorporated um, into the overall growth of the company. And I would say what my what my time at LinkedIn really did was give me a sense for how you know the 800 pound gorilla in the space thinks about the talent ecosystem, and you know what the you know what their sense of you know how the market is shifting, where it's heading, and, and product strategy, etc. And so that definitely informed some of the things that I'm doing you know right now with HireVisor. But really, the lightning bolt for this idea you know came after you know, two and a half years at LinkedIn. Had a great time there. Um, but really felt this itch to try something on my own. LinkedIn's a fantastic company. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, uh, I would have stayed if I didn't have this this itch, basically. And the original genesis, you know, even more so than from working at my time at LinkedIn, was just born out of personal experience. Again, as I mentioned, I've been a second place candidate more times than I can count. And uh, you know, coming coming from a, uh, you're, you're barely into your twenties. How can you have so many second? Like, <laughs> welcome I mean, to the welcome now. to the millennial. Welcome to the millennial struggle. The mille- oh, there we go. The millennial oh, struggle. I had, I, had, I had to throw it in there. God. I had to throw it in there. Um, but 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 in all seriousness, you know, I well, I graduated with a history degree, right? And I managed to weasel my way into finance first, and then from there, weasel my way into LinkedIn. And so there was a lot of you know, learnings that came from branding myself and, you know, how do you actually uh, understand and navigate this job market? And the process sucked, frankly. Um, and so uh, that, you know, core sort of feeling about the candidate experience married with my time at LinkedIn helped inform the genesis of, uh, you know, of this idea. Um I mean, do you want me to get into the specifics of, of the, you know, for, for this, for the, this, because this, this particular idea is actually a pivot. Our original idea was more of a core candidate experience piece, but this is more of a pivot. I'm happy to get into that if, if, you, if you want as well. But that's sort of the core genesis. Typically, typically people are a little bit more grizzled or they have some experience in employment and which you do, but not that extensive or people have had startups before. So their story is a little more cut and dry. Mm-hmm. To me, yours is a little less so. So I wanted to just have you sort of create some color around your story. And you're also, I believe, a pin, a pin grad. Correct. So Ivy League kid, LinkedIn, now doing this. Got it. Correct. Correct. So when it comes down to silver medal candidate, quick, quick question: Do you guys, do you guys like that term or dislike that term? Because I found it's polarizing. There's people who love it. There's people who hate it. Hey, we're asking the questions here, pal. <laughs> All right. I don't think it matters. Second. Um, 
I'm a company and I have silver medal candidates. Uh, it's a tight job market. There's no way in hell I'm giving you my silver medal candidates. How are you getting companies to actually come on board and say, oh yeah, I'll give you all my great talent into your shared resume database? Another great question. So there, I will admit there is a profile of company that is much more excited about this idea than say other profiles of companies. They've typically high growth, uh, mid-market, you know, call it 100 to 1,000 um, employee size companies. Um, folks who basically, you know, uh, they needed to, to fill a wreck yesterday. Um, whereas if you talk to say much larger enterprises, uh, you know, you're getting some of that reaction where they say, you know, why would I ever share my candidates with you? Our talent pipeline is bigger than yours will ever be. Um, so there definitely is a sweet spot in terms of, you know, profile of company we're working with. Uh, and to directly answer your question, the, the way the pitch basically works is we say, look, you know, you need to find better talent, faster, active candidates. And our platform provides you a way to do that where you can see candidates who have been interviewed by other top companies on our platform. So if you buy this hypothesis that, you know, hey, I'm looking at a, this, if I'm looking for a software engineer, this person made it to the final round at Facebook or final round at, you know, LinkedIn or you name it. If I buy, if I know that that company has a high bar for talent and this person just recently joined the platform, chances are I want to talk to them, potentially fast track them through the process. At the same time, the other piece of the puzzle is the candidate experience candidate engagement piece around, you know, closing the loop with all of these folks who don't ultimately end up getting hired at your company. And frankly, we've actually had uh, a number of emails come from candidates uh, and, from, and from our customers alike saying, you know, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. Patrick, you said something earlier that really, I think, struck a nerve with me and it was millennial. <laughs> and aside from saying, get off my lawn, this, <laughs> like your business feels so millennial to me. Like, Let's all share candidates, Kumbaya. hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Like, is this, are your clients millennial, like driven? Are they millennial? Like, do you have Tom shoes? I mean, is there something in the DNA of these customers that you have that's, that screams millennial? And does that create a ceiling for your business? Uh, so first of all, I threw millennial in to be sort of tongue in cheek. Um, but I, I more see what we're offering as you know, it's just, it, to us, it almost feels like a no brainer. It's just, we see an inefficiency in the market where, you know, just the numbers game, right? Supply and demand, you have a finite number of openings at X number of companies, and you have vastly more number of folks who are applying for these roles. For any given rec, you have 100, 200 people who are under consideration, and you hire one person. And, you know, chances are the top 10% are still pretty good. If someone makes it to the final process, final round only to get, you know, rejected at the 11th hour, it's not because usually they lack skills or qualifications. It's timing, budget, commute, salary, some other factor that come in, comes into play at that point. And so again, the, the core genesis of this platform is, well, it seems inefficient that these folks who got this far in the process shouldn't be uh, aren't able to leverage all that effort toward a role somewhere else versus having to start all over again. So again, I, I said millennial to, be, to, millennial to be tongue in cheek, but really it, it's just a looking at the numbers game of of the market. But but I, my question is genuine and not tongue in cheek. I, I'm really interested to know if this business is a uniquely millennial strategy. Hmm. I, I, it was, I mean... Maybe you could just by virtue of the fact that, you know, people are switching jobs more and more, there could be that, or especially in, in you know, the quote unquote millennial uh, age group. I mean, that, that could be part of it, but it's not nothing in our marketing or, um, you know, advertising or, or 
Go ahead. And customer-wise, you're being embraced by boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. Like all of those decision makers are deciding to buy this product. I would have to check and see the, the age group of, of all the folks we're working with, but I would say probably uh, okay. more Gen Xers, millennials. Um, and there are there are some boomers who've been interested in the product as well. Um, but uh, again, it sort of comes with. Um, the territory of some of the company, companies we're working with in the Bay Area that do tend to have more Gen X millennial folks in these you know, heads of talent roles. Okay, Patrick. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a good amount of companies, uh, new vendors who are actually trying to help companies re-engage their applicant tracking system, their database and their applicant tracking system, because some companies have spent millions and millions of dollars to create that database. They haven't done anything with it, but these new technologies are allowing them to do something with it. You, on the other hand, are going the polar opposite way and saying, hey, look, why don't you share those those resumes and those candidates? Why do you why are you going really the polar opposite of some of these other technologies that are out there? I mean, I, I would just look to the data. I would say, you know, what actually is the higher rate off of, you know, the, you know, candidate re-engaging candidates that have been in your database for, you know, six months, a year, two years, at least what we've seen anecdotally is you're not really getting any meaningful return off of that until a few years later. I mean, you may, you know, uh, you have touch points with candidates in terms of them reading the marketing emails you send out to them. But really, at least what we've heard, again, anecdotally and speaking with other recruiters is you're not going to get a meaningful hire off of, you know, uh, resurfacing someone in your database unless they've actually had a meaningful title bump. Like say, originally, if they were, uh, you know, under consideration for a software engineer, and now they're a senior software engineer, so it might, it might make sense to re-engage and talk with them for another role and potentially hire them. Um, so, you know, besides what I was saying before earlier about this different worldview around just creating efficiency in the talent ecosystem, just looking at the data as well, you know, we, we haven't seen, um, we haven't seen meaning, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but at least anecdotally, we haven't seen meaningful hiring rates off of resurfacing folks beyond, say, um, you know, one or two years out of the original, uh, you know, application date. So, I mean, you're really creating a shared community-like database um, that is fueled by the attraction strategies of these employers over the years. So it's really, in addition to how I answered the question earlier around this different worldview of, you know, is it really efficient to you know, quote, unquote, recycle candidates versus actually try to help them find other roles and find candidates who've been invited by other companies. Um, and, you know, just looking at the data, at least what we've heard anecdotally, you know, candidates are only really resurfaced and rehired, at least, again, this is what we've heard from the recruiters we've spoken with, when it's a meaningful amount of time has passed beyond their initial application. Say, if, it, if it's, you know, you're marketing to someone for six months after they've applied, you know, chances aren't super high, they're going to get, you know, hired for a role at your company. Um, but say one or two years later, after maybe they've had a meaningful title bump from say a software engineer to a senior software engineer, that's when we've, we've seen it make um, you know more sense for at least for some of the folks that we've talked with. But at the end of the day, it's we just see it as our worldview is being more efficient around you know why not help this person who's looking for a job now find a role at one of our other partner companies, and at the same time you can find these candidates that you know weren't a fit at our other partner companies. Patrick, uh, GDPR is a big issue in privacy and, and things like that. What are there any issues with your business in terms of you know sort of sharing candidates? What kind of control do they have in terms of their data? How long is it stored? Talk about that for me. Fantastic question. I just had an hour call with our attorney yesterday about Boring. this. <laughs> May May twenty fifth, right around the corner. Um, Sorry, that's not for you. That's for your attorneys and the, so, the conversation that you had. I'm sure. 
Yes. So uh, privacy by design is very important. GDPR is also is obviously top of mind for folks, not just in HR, but across, you know, any industry that collects data. Um, so what the way our platform works, you know, when a candidate accepts their invite to join the platform. So first of all, they can always, you know, choose to accept or ignore an invite. Um, but when they do, they accept our terms and conditions and our privacy policy, and they, you know, affirmatively consent to what they're actually sharing with us on the platform. So that's one. Two, within the actual user profile itself, candidates have, you know, toggles where they can say, hey, I'm searchable or, you know, show my profile, toggle that on or off. That determines whether or not they're searchable on the platform. They can also determine whether or not they auto accept uh, connection requests from recruiters. So if it's on, basically, when a recruiter requests a connection to a candidate, it will automatically connect them over email to start a conversation. If it's off, you know, they need the candidate needs to basically say, yes, I want to talk to this recruiter before I do that. Um, In addition, candidates have complete control over how their profile appears in search results. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we get information about how a candidate, how well a candidate fared in a process from the company that invites them to the platform. But the candidate is able to control how they want that to appear on their profile. So what that means in practice is, let's say, you know, a candidate made it to a final round at company A, but, you know, didn't, you know, was bomb the interview at company B, you know, they'd be able to show, you know, say, I want to show company A in my profile, but not company B. Um, so they have control over that. And then lastly, if a candidate does say, hey, like, I want nothing to do with your platform, I'm off, I'm, I'm off it, they can email us and we can delete, you know, everything about their profile. Have you guys get, uh, taken funding? Uh, only friends and family so far. So we're bootstrapped. Is there a plan to raise money? Are you actively looking for money? Uh, right now, yes, we are. Um, and the, the reason behind that is just... Um, well, one, uh, for the, the, the two years that we've been working on this, you know, neither myself or my co-founder has taken a salary. So it'd be nice to get paid at some point. Um, and just, I mean, more, more practically for the business itself, you know, we need the team, we need to scale the team to actually, you know, uh, meet our goal, the goals we've set for the business and actually really create, um, you know, a meaningful presence in, in the market, not just in terms of marketing, but also in terms of, you know, the size of our customer base and the continued growth of our candidate pool. So we need capital to do that. So aside from keeping bologna in the fridge and mac and cheese in the pantry <laughs> Ramen. and uh, adding some team members, um, what sort of the vision in terms of features that we should expect in the future is the business primarily a sales and marketing organization? Is there going to be more development behind this? What does the future hold? Great question. So at the highest level, you know, where we would love to go with this is actually uh, uh, almost a social good angle where, you know, you say, um, you know, you have candidates in Silicon Valley or you have candidates and companies in Silicon Valley, candidates and companies. And, you know, so I'm from Florida originally, a small town called Bradenton in Florida. And there's, there's plenty of companies in that area who are looking for great talent, but no one from Silicon Valley knows about these companies in Florida or, or, or elsewhere in the, the country for, for that matter. And so it would be great to expand and get the platform to a place where you can actually connect these disparate markets and, you know, have talent actually move to different geos and areas where, you know, there's, there's high demand. It's just folks don't know about it or don't know the opportunities that exist there. So from at the highest level, that's, you know, that's somewhere where we want to go and really connect these different geos and, and regions who are, you know, looking for great talent. On a more practical product level, there's also an interesting thing that we're exploring around this idea of, you know, how is there a way that we can actually make higher are meaningful for in-house recruiters, right? You know, from what we've seen is that, 
as a recruiter, the only real way to, you know, really make a name for yourself and build a brand is to go out on your own and have, say, you know, a agency or a consulting business um, in that way. And for, if you're in-house, it's sort of hard to do that, you know, let alone carrying your book of business with you, so to speak. So stay tuned for some of the interesting things we're going to do around building your reputation as a recruiter on the platform. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, say, we know, hey, you know, Jane Recruiter at XYZ Company referred these candidates. And if we can say, for, for example, uh, hey, the, t- the 10 candidates or the candidates that Jane Recruiter refers tend to get, you know, uh, clicked, at, clicked on the most out of anyone else or uh, at a 10x higher rate than other recruiters, and you can build your clout and professional reputation on the platform, you know, it's an interesting avenue that might help us sort of break out of this frame of being, you know, just another sourcing tool. Right. And so we're, we're exploring different ways to do that, um, in addition to sort of moving toward this vision of actually connecting different communities and, and supply and demand of talent. So how much does it cost for me to uh, give you my silver medal candidates? How much? What's the pricing on this thing? Sure. And is there a bronze pricing? And <laughs> your thanks, thanks for participating pricing. Participation medal pricing participation pricing yeah so if so our primary applicant tracking system partner is greenhouse and so if you are a company that uses greenhouse um, it's actually free to join so it takes less than 10 minutes to set up and get integrated and then you're you know you're, you're squared away to both send invites to candidates and automatically push uh, folks that you source out of the platform to your ats you would only pay us on the back end if you do end up hiring someone out of the platform and our list price on that is 12.5 percent of this candidate's first year salary if you don't have greenhouse um, in, in, I mean, there are obviously plenty of companies that don't have greenhouse. Uh, what we do is provide, um, you, you can still access the platform, but there's a subscription fee to access the platform. Um, again, the idea being that since you're not actively, you know, submitting cash sharing candidates with us, you know, you can pay to access the pool of talent that have been invited by other folks. And so that pricing is uh, $3.99 per user per month. Um, and then there is a success fee for folks that you do hire out of the platform as well, the same 12.5%. So if you're not sharing... You can still access the database. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's the millennial side, but it's okay. But you still have access to the database, but you have to pay for access to the database. Correct, Patrick. You mentioned uh, in terms of growth, looking at different geos. Um, to me, and uh, you know, you live this every day. I don't, but to me, it seems like this is a business that may really take off in the association space or the government space. Has that been a target for you? And if not, why? Fantastic question. So, you know, in our different sales channels right now, obviously our direct companies, right? But that only has so much, so many legs, so much, so many legs. Um, the other, the other channel that we're looking at is exactly that associations, groups, um, venture capital portfolios. In fact, one of the groups that we're working very closely with, um, is the collaboration for talent, um, which is a umbrella. Are you, are you folks familiar with the collaboration for talent? So it's, it's, <laughs> It's a it's an umbrella org of a bunch of nonprofits. So including, say, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Gates Foundation, a few other folks. And one of the things we're exploring is, okay, for groups like this who are looking for nonprofit talent and you know are always you know, starving for that talent, is there a way that our platform could be used to actually help the folks, these folks share talent and find um, you know, find great folks within that community. So, so yes, that's definitely something that we're looking at as well. well I'm getting uh, the signal from Chad that he's ready to go, and I think I'm done with my questioning. Are you ready to face the firing squad, Patrick? I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm bring ready. It I've got to say, Patrick, you've got a big heart, man, and that's a big millennial heart you've got there. Um, 
but, but I also have to say that um, some really, <laughs> really smart guys have preceded you. So I asked about uh, Alliance Q. Jason Kerr actually headed that up. And then Job Fox, Rob McGovern, who actually was the first CEO of CareerBuilder. You've got to know history before you recreate, recreate it in any industry. And those are two glaring platforms that to me, I saw come and go very quickly because they were in this exact same niche. We've seen it over the last couple of decades. It's the, the model won't stick because you're trying to share candidates in a very tight labor market. And I know you see that as an obstacle, but I believe that you, you're not going to see it to be big enough of an obstacle unless you start to pivot out of this. Uh, because these companies have spent millions of dollars in creating these applicant tracking system databases, and they are learning how to re-engage them because they understand that they're not just candidates, they're also customers that are impacting their bottom line, actual sales bottom lines in some of these brands. So, which is a reason why if, if I was a VP of global talent acquisition, I wouldn't be giving away any of my candidates. Um, I would be treating them better, right? And I agree with you, you have to be treating them better. Um, but I believe you're on the wrong side of the of demand in both cases, which is one of the reasons why I got to open up the guns on you. Ouch. There we go. My turn, I guess. Patrick, Chad mentioned that he sees a big heart in you. And I agree with that. But I see a big brain as well. Um, I've met you personally. You're, just from a small you know, sample sizing of being around you, I know I can tell that you're a smart dude. Um, you're also very young, which I know from your statement of you've been in so many interviews and you've gotten so many silver medals. Doesn't necessarily ring true with me because you are a young guy. <laughs> And your experience, education, you know, sort of proves that out. So to me, you are going to find that great idea. Uh, this is actually a pivot. We didn't talk much about that. Um, there may be another pivot in your future. I don't even know if the employment space is where you will end up. I do say with some assuredness that I think you will do great things in the entrepreneurial realm and create something great. I think that that this this business for me it's just really hard to get over a lot of things Chad said and knowing, you know, get off my lawn, but get out of my database, let, you know, leave my candidates alone. I spent so much money to get them into my, you know, pool of candidates, you know, sharing them is just, I think a concept that Chad and I can't get our head around. And maybe it's a product for younger folks or younger businesses or startups who don't give a shit. Uh, you know, a Boeing, a Walmart, you know, I don't see them embracing this in a way that a startup in Silicon Valley would. So where Chad's gun was just put you out of your misery, <laughs> um, my gun is more of a mercy killing and saying this idea to me isn't the idea that you're going to end up with. It's going to be the idea where we look back five or 10 years from now and go, man, remember when Patrick did that and it was so close to that one idea that he's doing now that's really successful. So Patrick, you're a great dude. I think you're really smart, but the business idea, I think there's another one in your future and this one to me isn't it. Fair enough. Well, but balls for being on the show. Kudos for that as always. Um, 
<laughs> if you have any comments or feedback, that's great. Otherwise, we, we appreciate it if you just want to get the hell off the show and throw darts at our faces. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. This is, this is great, and I appreciate all the, uh, the feedback. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still standing even though I'm at the, on the firing post. But, yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> Enough said, Chad. Yes. Another episode. We out. We out. out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.